Hello and welcome to the Red Special Guitar Podcast. If you've listened before, then thank you so much for coming back. And if this is your first time, then welcome to the channel. Um, what do we talk about? Well, we talk about how Brian May's legendary Red Special Guitar has inspired generations to go on and do things. And for those of you that don't know, Brian made his own guitar with his father back in the early 60s and has gone on to use it for nearly 60 years throughout his whole career with Queen, which is absolutely fantastic. And if you want to learn more about that, then this is the place to be. But also make sure that you check out our most recent episode before this one, episode number 20, which was with Brian May himself. Um, it's a great episode and it's such a culmination of work, time and um, you guys trusting in the podcast to be able to get that out there and to get Brian to agree to doing it. And I hope you all enjoyed it. I mean, I really have enjoyed it. It was an absolutely fantastic day for me and one I won't forget, and then everything else that's come off the back of it, um, Brian being so wonderful on Instagram, and then you guys being absolutely amazing, and signing up to Patreon is like 30 patrons now, which is just crazy, keeping up to date with all of you is becoming interesting, but we're figuring that out as we go along, um, and if that's something you fancy joining, then please check the link in the description below where you can sign up for Patreon and support the channel. But also just the outpouring of messages and comments and emails and private messages from you all saying how much you enjoyed the episode and that you're so pleased that we managed to get Brian and how how relaxed he was and how much you got from the interview. It was um, felt much more like a chat, which is what the podcast is about. Not so much an interview, but just two people talking about guitars and, and life. And that's really what the podcast is all about. The, the whole idea is that it's the chat after the UK or US or worldwide Red Special Guitar meetup in the bar afterwards where you're with your friends and you're talking about, oh, how did you get into all of this? And documenting those things for forever so that we've got them there for the next generation to be able to watch or listen to and really see where this journey has come from, from Brian making the guitar all the way up to the formation of the Red Special Forum in the early 2000s on the internet and then onwards to the Facebook Forum, the Red Special meetups, and where we are today with the podcast. It's been an absolutely fantastic journey. Um, it's taken some 20 years of my life um, doing various things and not always been focused on it, but we find ourselves here today in the episode after having spoken to Brian May. And if you told me 20 years ago when I started all this and started getting involved in this and interested in the Red Special that I'd one day get a chance to talk to my hero, I would have bitten your hands off. And I still would because it was absolutely fantastic, as I've said lots of times before. So what next? Um, and how do we pick a guest to become the one after Brian May? I mean, that's a tall order for most people and not one that everyone would want to be because it is literally the episode after Brian May. And today we've had a long think about this in Podcast Towers and with the help of the, the podcast patrons and also the help of my wonderful editor, Mr. Andrik Hernandez, who is been fantastic at making the podcast more professional and go and check out his Instagram links in the description below. Um, we came up with an idea and an idea of putting out an episode which was recorded a little while back before the UK Red Special Guitar Meetup with arguably the first known person that I know of and I think most people know of to build a replica of Brian May's Red Special Guitar. He's gone on to build loads of replicas of Brian's guitar over the years He's an absolutely fantastic chap, a font of knowledge, and he even got to play with Brian on stage in the Radio Fly gig. So, ladies and gentlemen, make sure, again, you've got a nice warm drink or cold drink, depending on your choice. You turn off all your notifications on your phone, you sit back, 
relax, and join me in welcoming Mr. Julian Hemingway to the Red Special Guitar Podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen of the Red Special Guitar Podcast listeners, today we have an absolute treat and pleasure because I've managed to get hold of the man who arguably started off in the UK, the movement of making your own Red Special. He nearly gave up, but a fortuitous meeting with someone we've spoken to before meant he's continued on, not only built one Red Special replica, but multiple. Julian Hemingway, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. And uh, thanks for having me, as they say. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to join the illustrious band that uh, you've had on here already. <laughs> I didn't, well, I wouldn't say illustrious, but that might offend a few of them. But um, no, it's great, great to get you on. The well, they've, they've sounded good so far. So, yeah. No, it's, th- thank you for agreeing. Um, so how have, you, how have you been over the last year, year and a half? Um, I've been fine. I've managed to ev- evade, avoid covid um uh i've had I barely had a cold so um you know that's probably more down to me than than covid's attempts but uh yeah as far as that's concerned I, i'm i'm fine and uh only my age now starts to creak a bit but uh you know that's what i have to live with that every day so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so julian in terms of uh, with COVID, did that give you some more time at home to build any more red specials, or what have you been? What have you been well, I've, I've actually been retired for quite a while, so uh, I, I don't have a problem with time. It's more inclination. Uh, I, I tend to sort of sail along doing nothing in particular, and I'll suddenly get an idea, or somebody will come on the forum and they'll say, "I'm doing one of these." So I thought, hmm, "Yeah, I haven't done one of those yet, so maybe I ought to have a go as well." But yeah, it's that kind of thing, really. It's not. It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of uh, getting my bottom in gear sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I've been so, doing it a long time, so I kind of need that uh, impetus now. Yeah. You know? Well, with this, you've been doing it more than a, long, a lot longer than most of us, I think. Mm. Um, so, t- tell me about how you you got into Queen and what started all this off for you. Um, right. Well, okay. Just sort of a little bit of a potted history. In the early seventies, I was into guitar music in general, and it was kind of pop, pop rock, uh, right through from things like Deep Purple, Sabbath, Free, um, Fleetwood Mac. But then I got into Status Quo, and, and I did that because I, I could hear all the parts of the music. So um, I thought that was quite a good thing for me to start learning guitar again. Now, I'll say again, because when I was about 11 or 12, I had, I had ambitions through hearing the Beatles and the Shadows of, of playing the guitar, but it, it never really got anywhere and various things got in the way. But when I came to about being about 20, I thought, you know, I'm going to have a go at the guitar again. So um, I bought myself a, a cheap um, Japanese Les Paul copy. And I, and I sat there, again, I tend to be more engineering than musical uh and i and i started to look at it as a, an object so i thought if i take it all apart and see what it's made of could i actually make a guitar because i was sort of i got an idea of a guitar i wanted to make and this was pre-queen and bearing in mind at this time i was not really aware of queen any more than i was of sweet or bowie or anybody else i i kind of had heard a couple of singles but um i, I hadn't really settled on them as anything in particular 
And it was more the guitar thing that started me off. So I uh, built a guitar that was very similar to this. This is a, uh, a Rickenbacker 425, and it's quite a close copy. And the first one I made, I actually had to go to a, a local shop, and it was hanging in the window. And I said to the guy, I said, would you mind if I got a bit of paper and drew around the body of it because I want to make one? And he was a, you know, he was a reasonably friendly guy. He used to run the shop, one, one man. And, uh, and he said, yeah, come in. And I, spended, I, I used to spend hours in there like a kid in a sweet shop, you know, just sitting there watching what was going on and not really doing a lot. Anyway, I, I built this guitar. It was plywood. It was a bit of shelving. Um, and I got pickups off an acoustic guitar, which shouldn't have been on there. But it, 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 it made a noise and it, it played quite well. So I was quite pleased with that. As far as Queen, well, this was around about 1974. And I'd heard Killer Queen, Now I'm Here. I even remember listening to the old Grey Whistle tests and watching the cartoon accompaniment to keep yourself alive. And I thought, this is an interesting band. And when I saw Queen um, on top of the pops, I, I liked Freddie's style. I thought they were very, you know, bombastic and uh, really in your face. And I, and I liked that about them. I thought, you know, these are something different. And I thought you know what, I'm going to um, maybe make my next guitar a Brian May guitar. Now, the problem with that was that there was very little information about. And I sort of shelved that for a little bit longer. And I remember hearing Bohemian Rhapsody um, on the radio. I remember my wife and I were in the kitchen one day in late 1975. And... I just stood there listening for the whole six minutes or so and thinking, what the, you know, this is absolutely fantastic. There's so much going on there. And I said to her in those days, you know, you've got a Christmas present. If you've got an album, you were lucky. And it makes me sound really old. But I said, can I have the, the album for Christmas, the night at the opera, as I found out? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I got suddenly, like, absolutely massively, like I do with most of my hobbies, massively overnight became a big, big queen fan so it whilst i was waiting for the album to turn up uh i had a little walk down to the bottom of my road where there was a news agent and i found this and it was a book believe it or not a history of queen which was written um in 1974 as if oh, that wow. had been enough to get a history <laughs> and the, the only picture of brian's guitar was that oh yeah. wow and I thought, well, okay, that, and there's, a, there's quite a good picture of the back of the headstock on another shot, uh, but it's tiny. I don't know if you can yeah. see that, just, just about. Just about, yeah. Just about. There's a, you can see it's got open back machine heads. And I thought, that's, that's a good start. And so I thought, this has definitely got to be my next guitar. And I started drawing it up. And I remember thinking to myself, how am I going to make something I've never even seen? Oh, by the way, there's a couple of other really faded brown newspapers from the time. Melody Maker, I think this one is. I thought that's quite wow. a good picture. And, and, and this one, a colour one, believe it or not. Wow, and that, look at that. that showed me what the colour was. Look and I that. thought, wow. So this is from 19... Yeah. 
1976, 14th of February, just after Christmas. So, of course, by this time, I was really into the idea. So I thought, what can I do to make it up? And I, I, I'd, I'd not, I haven't got like a draftsman's um, training. I did a little bit of tech drawing at school, like probably most of us did. But uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll go and get some art card from a local shop. And I got so, a big sheet of black, big sheet of maroon, and I cut out the, car, the guitar as though it was a plan. And I had this sort of maroon body, black scratch plate, bits and pieces, black fingerboard. And it, and it looked great. And I remember it was going to be 13 inches across, not 14. It was going to yep. be 24 and three quarters scale, mainly because I had this Les Paul still. And, and I was looking at that thinking, well, all guitars have got to be pretty much like that. And it was going to have three single coils on it, which were like these black plastic things that... I don't know if you've ever seen a Zenta um, Telecaster from that era. Uh, they used to have these sort of sort of like uh, Strat style pickups on, but they were quite different in, in their construction. But they look, I thought, in a kind of reverse way. They, they were quite fat looking as well. They're more like the Trisonic size. So I thought that's going to be great. Uh, it was going to have a standard um, bridge and uh, an ordinary tailpiece on it because, again, you could barely get a decent tremolo system. And I thought, well, that's beyond me at this time. But then really what happened was that other things got in the way and I, I sort of shelved it for a while. And I was really into Queen. I went out and bought all the previous albums. Um, I started going to the concerts. You know, my first concert was Hyde Park, believe it or not, uh, which was quite a nice um, starter for me. And, uh, and I went to all the tours in the subsequent years, which I call the golden years between sort of 75 to 77, 78. Um, but other things got in the way and I started building other guitars. And it was always that Brian May one here, but I need to know more about it. That was the main yeah. thing. And I kept, I kept sort of, every time I, I was in a local band as well, or a couple of bands, and I sort of built guitars that were more in keeping with what we were playing, which you'd, you'd think were very strange now, but I won't go into those. But as I say, it kept, I kept every other year or so, I kept bringing another guitar, another guitar. And I, and I, I thought, I'm going to have to do this thing. Um, and, oh, by the way, in the bands, we never played a Queen song, even though <laughs> I quite fancied it, but my bandmates were never very keen on the idea. They We, we played all sorts of stuff like, Thin Lizzy and stuff like that, and but they, I think they all thought Queen was a bit too much and too far on from us. And I think probably with my playing at the time, it, it was more likely that I wouldn't be able to do it justice. Um, but uh, well, basically, in in this intervening period, I never lost my interest in Queen. I was really, in fact, yeah, I just got so um, into this collecting all the magazines, the books, the articles. Uh, everything I could find on Brian's guitar. And in the end, I was still getting so frustrated because I thought there's got to be more to what I'm seeing. And, and there were so many, it was more questions than answers, to be honest. So I actually wrote to Brian a couple of times during this sort of 75, 76, 77. And I've actually got those letters still. And I, and I actually wrote and drew little pictures and said, can you tell me what the thickness of the body is? What's this? What's that? And of course, you never you never want to ask too many questions in one go because if you did, you'd have a list like that, and he, he just said, oh, "I can't be bothered with that." But he was great, and he wrote back. He actually wrote on my letters, and he actually drew little drawings and put his dimensions in, and it was great. And I thought, right, I'm going to have to do this. So um, I thought, right, uh, this is going to have to be done. This was about sort of seventy nine ish, and 
I'd only met one other person um, in this period of time who had made one, and he was American. And he actually sort of came and went. He showed me a photograph of the guitar he made. It was quite close. He used, I think, DiMarzio fat strap pickups on it. But then all of a sudden they appeared in the post. He said, oh, I've given up on it. You can have the pickups if you want. And I thought, oh, that's quite nice of you. But as you say, it was just a passing thing for him. And uh, to me, it was the first I'd ever heard anybody even think about doing one of these guitars. Um, so stop me if I get boring, by the way. <laughs> You're not boring at all, Julian. <laughs> no, okay. Well, basically, that, that how the first one came about, I, I started to look into the what I actually needed. And I thought, I'm never going to get any more information, so I'm going to have to go with what I'd done. And I used a, a blow-up of a photograph, and it wasn't perfectly square on to the camera. It was more big bout end slightly towards it. So yeah. I ended up drawing this guitar up, and it was slightly oversized. It was bigger on the body. It was, I, th I guessed at the scale length being, let's compromise between a Fender and a, a Les Paul, made it about 25 inches scale. And I thought, okay, I've got it. It's mahogany. It's got veneer on it. I knew that. I knew roughly, you know, all where the, everything should go from photographs more than anything else. Brian had given me a couple of hints, but uh, I knew there was an oak block in the centre, but I didn't know exactly how big it was. And what the biggest problem for me was that, the, well, it's got to sound right, so I need Burns Trisonic pickups. Right. Now, in pre-1980, there was just nothing. The only way you could get a Trisonic was to try and find an old Burns guitar, which I did. Now, amazingly, I came across a, uh, a Burns Sonic model, which is a twin pickup um, thing, and... It's got, it's got a body like a bit like a peanut shape, very small thing. And it was hanging up there. I think it cost about £40, and it had the two pickups on. And, in fact, they were the correct type in terms of the fact they were bar magnet. They weren't the ones with the pots in. Yep. And um, I thought, this is fantastic, but how do I get a third one? Now, I was reading in a, uh, one of my guitar mags, which I tended to buy two or three at the time, and uh, there was a chap called Paul Day. Now, he was this uh, chap who wrote for these magazines, and he was called the Guitar Guru. And he was very knowledgeable on all vintage guitars. And he was compiling a book on the history of Burns guitars in the UK. And he was asking people for anecdotes. And I thought, well, can I be cheeky and sort of think he's the only guy? If he doesn't know where to get a pickup from, nobody will. So I, I wrote to him and said, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you a, a fabulous Burns story. But what I want to do is <laughs> ask you if you've got, or can you tell me where I could get just a single Burns Trisonic pickup? Because I got two and uh, told him where they'd come from. And then I told him what they were for. Well, of course, it was immediate horror because apparently uh, I started some sort of ball rolling and apparently most old Burns got ripped apart for Brian <laughs> May pickups. But anyway, I, I sort of got mine. He sent me a pickup and said, can you send me the remains of the Burns guitar that you bought? Uh, there was a bit of cash involved. I think it was in my favour. So I, I came out of it quite well. And um, so I thank him for that. He, I did check recently to make sure he's still with us because he, he's, yeah. he's a bit older than me, and, and he is, apparently. So if you're out there and you ever listen to anything like this, uh, thanks very much for that. <laughs> but um, so... 
the story gets a bit foggy here. So what, what happened to me then was this is a, this is a story on the, the actual guitar itself. An American guy wrote to me and he told me that uh, he, he wanted to have a red special somehow and he didn't really know how, but we wrote back and forth for quite a while. And then he contacted me with a bit of exciting news one day. Bear in mind, this is letters to and from yeah. America, pre-internet, pre-anything. You know, Pigeon would have been quicker. <laughs> and uh, he'd been uh, talking to John Page from Fender. He'd heard about uh, the, the, that he, he was working on Brian, uh, a copy for Brian, and he was going to build this replica, possibly with a Fender badge run, if he'd, if he'd approved it. I thought, this is amazing, you know. Anyway, this guy was called Dean Tucholsky, and unfortunately, he's also uh, no longer with us. Uh, he, he passed some time ago. But um, I talked to him, and I said, this is fantastic news. We might be able to get some good information here. Uh, and he said, well, the problem is that um, he's missing a set of trisonics. So like an idiot, I offered my <laughs> prize set of trisonics that I've got earmarked for my guitar. I sent him off, but I had this sort of feeling that that might open any, a door for me, you know. So and I, I, it wasn't without mercenary intent. So um, to be fair, <laughs> Brian came back and said, thanks very much. These are brilliant. Uh, that, that I'm, I'm going to have these on the guitar. Uh, and he said, what can I do for you? And I said, well, I don't want anything. I said, but if we ever pass at any time uh, near each other, I'd quite like to meet you. And he said, yeah, no problem. That we'll, we'll try and sort something out. So I thought, well, at least that's, you know, even, even if I've lost my pickups, I might even get to meet my absolute superhero. Right. Um, well, we all know that that guitar stalled. Um, it lay unfinished for years in John Page's basement, yeah. uh, along with the broken John Birch guitar. And that's another story as well. Sadly, no Fender... Uh, Brian May guitar ever surfaced and uh, John Page party company with Fender so there was never going to be any follow-on from that but I do have it on good authority that the um, whilst the John Birch finally made its way back to the UK and currently resides in a Liverpool music museum the unfinished John Page guitar which was going to be the prototype for Brian um, actually was completed by Everett Wood of RS Customs in America and to my knowledge, my pickups are on it. And apparently yeah. it was hanging, last time I heard about it, it was hanging on a wall in his office. Um, I've never seen it. I've never seen the photograph. He was going to send me some, but it never, never transpired. But yeah, so that was quite an interesting sort of uh, roundabout story on that one. It's funny so, how, um, how, yeah, sure. how it starts off with your, your pickups and then mm. going off into, yeah. you know, I mean, I've known about the John Page guitar for a really long mm. time. Yeah, since when I think Everett um, mentioned that he found it, and that's where mm. Everett then based the measurements for the RS custom guitars. Yeah, mm. from um, mm. but never put two and two together to realise that it was your pickups that were sent to the yeah. page. Well, well, I didn't know for sure, but I just said it was something that he had a set. He had a set there, and he bit, half built the guitar, and it was all in a box together, and, and yeah. obviously just handed it over and. Uh, it was quite nice to know it was finished, and uh, it's very likely my pickups are on it. I can't guarantee, but he said, that to his knowledge, they are. So, And then, basically, on to my first build. It, it got to a point around about 1980 that I, I realised I just got, I had to go with what I'd got. Um, I'd found another Burns wreck in the meantime, which sa saved me. Uh, this time it was three 
uh, of the pot magnet style. But uh, again, they were on a, about the same quid. I think it cost me about 45 quid to buy this whole guitar. Um, I ended up selling, doing the guitar up, painting it, put some ordinary pickups on it, sold that off to cover my costs, which it did. And uh, I modified my pickups with uh, bar magnets because I knew that was what they were by this time. So again, I'm ready to go. I'd also seen the the famous old picture of the tremolo setup, uh, which appeared in a, a black and white photo in a magazine uh, when it was attached to a plank. So I knew roughly how that would work. Although I I thought it might have just been a sort of a prototype. Again, I was not really any other way of checking these things. Uh, so I didn't copy it exactly. Mine was made from a stainless steel plate, which I bent over uh, to make it look correct from outside. And the arm was bolted through a couple of um, uh, little flanges that stuck out from the side. Uh, but it, it worked fine. In fact, it's still on the guitar now, this one that I brought to the last meet. Um, so... The massive mistake, and I mean massive, ludicrous, stupid, smack myself about, was uh, the fact that all this time I had in my possession Brian's plans, his actual complete set. And I'm talking, ever since Dean Chalski had contacted me, he said, oh, by the way, John Page has got these plans. He said, I think there is plans for his prototype. And he sent me these photocopies of it. And there was this guitar, the one in the most complete form on the paper, was this diamond in, inlaid neck and uh, this, this body which showed a funny tremolo and some little switches and lots of little knobs. And I thought, well, this must be what John was going to make. It was going to be not quite a Brian May guitar, and I kind of ignored all the other pictures, all the other drawings of the internal structure of the, the tremolo system, the neck width, the, neck, the thick neck. It was all there on these drawings. And I thought, and I just didn't believe it. I honestly thought they were John Page's drawings. And I had them for several years before I realized that I actually had had a set of Brian's actual drawings from his notebook. Um, so you can see why I sort of wanted to beat myself up. I, I went ahead and built this guitar, built it oversized. Um, it had a, the scale was too long, the body was too wide. It all looked nicely in proportion because I'd done it all from photographs. So it didn't look odd, but it, I, it was bigger than it should have been. So um, after all that, uh, I thought, well, you know, again, I didn't know this at the time. So I went ahead and built this guitar over a, it probably took me 18 months, a couple of years, probably. And by the time it got to somewhere in, I think, I think 82, uh, I sent some photographs off to Jackie at the fan club. Excuse me a second. Sorry. And uh, the story goes that um, she came back and said, Brian said, why have you got drawings, uh, pictures of my guitar on your desk? And she said, well, they're not, it's not your guitar. It's this guy, Julian Hemingway, who's built this guitar. They said, oh, that's interesting. And said, um, tell him to come down to this Capital Radio thing we're doing. Bring the guitar with you. Uh, and this is a phone call I got. And I, I was stunned. I, you know, I'm working in an engineering factory. I get is you've got a phone call. <laughs> I picks her phone up and there she's telling me all this and I'm just absolutely stunned. So I don't remember, I can't remember how much time elapsed between the phone call and the actual thing. But um, 
it, it was amazing to get that. And uh, I think it pretty much got me the gig, to be honest, because as you said, it was just, A, he knew who I was. He remembered. He, he, he knew that it was, I was the guy that gave him the pickups. And, and he also thought, well, he's, he's gone ahead and built the guitar. I've got to go and see this guy. And yeah. It was brilliant. Um, so it was something I had to sort of make sure I got right. So I, I sort of practiced a few party pieces because, as, as I said, I'm not much of a player. Uh, I can get away with quite a few bits of Queen stuff, but I've never played it in a band. I, I, in fact, I doubt if I could actually play an entire Queen song from beginning to end. I've never got that far. I tend to sort of, it's my, it's my testing regime for a guitar is to play certain licks that I learned years ago and, uh, and just said it. So I know if they sound right and the guitar's right, you know. I think we but, all have got uh, those, we've all got those licks that we pick a guitar up or a red special, especially, and play the same yeah. things. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Get it, get it into outer phase on the neck and middle and squeal away. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, uh, I duly arrived on the day with my wife. We were outside the Duke of York Theatre. This is 20th of November, 1983. Um, it was around lunchtime and we went in and I got my guitar case there and we were treated like minor celebrities. It was wonderful. I've never, never had anything like that before. There were runners and PR people making sure that everything was going to go smoothly. And there we are sitting in the stalls chatting with the organiser when in walks Brian, taller than you can imagine, you know, and he comes in with this little entourage of people and he just sits down and says, oh, I'm Brian and hello, I'm Julian and blah, 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 blah. Panic sets in a bit and I'm trying to go, you know, um, this is just an everyday event. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You, know, but, <laughs> you know, I'm doing this badly, you know. And uh, we're introduced and he asked me if that's a guitar which was still in its case. So I'm feverishly popping the catches open. And he hands him the guitar and he sits there and he what is, plays around. And he, yeah, he says, I could play that. And he hands it back to me. And I thought, brilliant. That's a, a real endorsement. Soon afterwards, um, he's doing the rounds with the organisers and chatting to them, making sure that everything's going to go fine. And then he returns and explains to me and this guy called Stuart Esworthy, who I believe is still on the forum occasionally, uh, he was another guitarist fan who'd been invited so that we were going to be students uh, to his master class. And uh, he then said, right, we're going to sit down and we're going to learn this. We're going to do a three-part harmony piece. And it's called uh, the Pavan. It's a Tudor piece of music, which I'd never heard before. And we had to quickly learn our respective parts, uh, which I, and I, I tell you what, I've never concentrated so hard. It was, you know, I, I mean, I, I've been in local bands and we sat around a record player or a tape recorder and you sort of gradually work your way up to getting something. I had to be absolutely on it straight away. Uh, so I was, I was bricking it a bit, you know, to say the least. Um, I was also explained that because I got this guitar, that I'd get, a, I'd get a little spot to show my guitar off and play something solo while Brian looked on. Well, we were all then allocated a Vox AC30 uh, on stage. And uh, it just said, and we were also handed this strange bare metal box and I, with two jack sockets in it. And I, I asked what it was for. And I was just told, you'll need that to go into the box. So I had no idea what it really was. And I dutifully plugged it in. And all of a sudden, there was this huge sound going on, volume like I'd never heard from an AC30. Um, 
I, I used to play at home mostly using a little Electro Harmonics Muff Fuzz Box, which was a, a little thing about the size of a matchbox. Uh, and it was really basic, but it did actually give quite a good, warm, smooth sort of 74-era sort of sound through a Vox AC30. And I could control it. Of course, you couldn't turn it down on the volume control. You didn't, yes. you didn't really clean up. But it was a, but it, I hardly ever bothered to touch my volume control. Like Brian's a compulsive fiddler, um, I, I'd turn the thing full up and then whack away until I got uh, told off more than anything yes. else. But... Um, that's how I realised how he got his sound because I got no idea up to then what what Brian did I, other than this sort of trisonic equipped guitar. I had no idea. Oh, and the other thing as well, I got no idea about series wiring. It was all in parallel on mine, like a Strat. So yeah. if you ever listen to the um, the Capital Radio recording, you can hear mine, but it does sound a bit thinner than it should because that's even with all the boost and the box AC thirties, it isn't fully going it's not breathing properly so uh yeah it was a bit of a shame that i didn't realize that at the time but it would have been a better thing to record but uh yeah so yeah we got to that point and uh, i thought okay this is going to be fantastic and uh there was a bit of a lull in the proceedings then and there were just me and brian on the stage and i was trying to be as normal with him as possible because he's such an absolute gentlemen about everything and nothing's too much trouble and uh, you know they always say you shouldn't meet your heroes well absolutely i wanted to and i did and i'm really glad i did because it was just like getting on with like, like an old mate really it was fantastic and um he was fiddling around with something on the amp or an echo box or something like that and he got the guitar on a stand his guitar so i thought i've got to go and have a look at this now i got the chance so i walked over and I looked at it and I was trying to sort of like bend down and not be too obvious about what I was doing. And he looked at me and he said, pick it up, put it on. He says, try it, play it through the amp. And I go, oh, like this. And I, put, I put it on and I just stared at it. I, I played a couple of A chords and a few widdly notes. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. And I, I, all I remember about it was the, the cracked, crazed uh, lacquer, which was already like that even in yeah. 83. And 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 I just stared at it, and I was just in in amaze. I wish I could have looked at it more objectively, but it was just I glazed over. Basically, it was fantastic. It was like somebody handed me the Holy Grail. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just I was just overwhelmed by by having it there. So it's, it's, it's one of those things, as well, Julian. I think that we all think, oh, if we had it in our hands, we'd spend all that time looking at some of the details that we want to know, but. I just imagine that I would be like, I've got the red special in my hands and then give it back and be like, oh, I didn't look at all the things yeah. that I thought I'd look for. No, no. Well, as you say, because a lot of it was going to be new to me, I, it, it didn't, they didn't jump out because my guitar was okay, but it wasn't absolutely, it was certainly not like to the level that we do it today. But, you know, there was enough detail on it for me to think, well, I've made a pretty reasonable copy. But then the first thing I realized when I picked it up and looked at it, I thought, Mine's too big. Yeah. I really need to do something about this. So I said to him, I said, I thought, in for, in for a penny, in for a pound, like the old shop window job with the Rickerbacker. I said, I just happened to have this piece of paper <laughs> me and a pencil. <laughs> I said, would you mind if I drew around it on the stage? So he says, yeah, my, be my guest. So there's me laying Brian's guitar on a piece of uh, lining paper on the, on the stage, 
and I'm drawing around it. And I've still got a bit of paper today, and that's what I always use for my um, my shapes. So yeah. you know, I know I know it's as right as I'm ever going to get it. Sanding not included, you know. <laughs> but um, that's how I got my template early on. Um, the show went as well as I could have expected. It was very nerve wracking, but totally uplifting. I got to do my party piece on stage um, with Brian. I was introduced and asked to play something. And they said, what are you going to play, Julian? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a go at the Brighton Rock solo. Because there was this audible gasp from the audience. They thought, what is this madman going to do? Um, so then he plugged me in. He took my, when, he, when he heard that, he pulled my plug out of my AC30 that I was allocated. And he plugged it into his. And he got the bank of three and the two echo boxes. So, of course, I went off and I played it, and I think I did a reasonable job. I played the pretty much note for note from the record. And um, what scared me was halfway through, you know, the, the A chord stabs where he goes, ah, 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 and, it, and he, he was doing it himself. And, yeah. I, and I nervously looked, and he really put me off slightly. And I, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was sort of, I was absolutely in a zone on my own. And then I heard these blasting chords coming out at the same time. And I went, oh, and, and, and I think he saw me and realized that I was, I was not to be messed with at this time. I needed to concentrate. So, but it was so funny. And, and shame, it, it never got recorded. It was, sorry, yeah. it got recorded, but it, wasn't, it was edited out at the end. Yeah. So, I, you know, the, we were on stage probably for two hours and the tapes an hour. So you can sort of see where there was a lot of stuff cut out of it. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd like to think it was because I was, wasn't too bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that, that was uh, my little claim to fame. What, and, uh, what, was, what was that like, though? Because that's quite, you know, an iconic, uh, an iconic piece, especially mm. if, if you know Queen as well as most of us do. Mm. To actually play, play that live on front of an audience to the person mm. that wrote wrote it i mean did that go through your mind would it, how would he take it? Uh, I, it of course it went through my mind I, I i wanted to do it because i i wanted to show certainly brian uh and everybody else that this wasn't this wasn't doing this for fun it wasn't taken lightly uh i really wanted to um make a good job of it and uh as i said i, I think i'd i'd done it at home with uh, an old copycat i'd uh, you know wham copycat I'd, I'd modified it and i used to do the album version with the single repeat it, uh, on the album it is only a single repeat subsequently on stage every time he does it with the old stereo mix yeah. going on because i was only used to that and of course uh, when he starts banging away these chords in the background it kind of threw me as well because i felt I'm sort of chasing the the echoes a bit because I was not used to having like a, a, another one was coming as well after yeah. the second repeat. So uh, it was a bit scary, but uh, yeah, and I, I I just wanted it to because that was my party piece. As I say, it was something that of all the bits I learned, I, I thought, well, that's so Brian. That is that is the epitome of what Brian's playing at the time was all about. And um, I thought, well, everybody should know what it is. And uh, you know, I, I did it to the best of my ability, which I hope was was reasonable. But as I say, nobody will ever know now. That's between me, uh, <laughs> Capital Radio, and Brian. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, we went off for a drink afterwards, and I got a couple of photos of Brian, the famous one with Brian, his arm around me with a glass of beer in the hand. Yeah. And um, the, the most 
fun thing was that I was introduced to Chrissy and then Mr. Harold May. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And he was just like you see him. He'd got his suit and his glasses and, and he was stood there with his tie on and absolutely genuinely interested uh and, and he, he wanted to look at my guitar and he asked me all sorts of questions about it and it was you know how i've made it and where did you get this from that from and uh there's a couple of things that are different and i said well my bridge was just a, a solid brass block with but he'd got all the slots in it but it was all one piece and it had been chromed so it looked right and it looked like the pictures did from these blurred photos. But he said, yeah, that's a, a good way of, uh, of getting around it. He says, Brian's is a bit more adjustable. But, and he says, how does your tremolo work? And I said, well, it's like this. You know, he says, oh, take the cover off. So anybody got a screwdriver? <laughs> no. So a screwdriver was immediately found. And uh, there's me unscrewing the back plate off the, uh, the tremolo. And, uh, He's going inside it. He's, oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've got the two springs like we've got. Yeah, I said, well, it is a copy of yours. I said, but I, I didn't know the exact detail, but I said, it does work well. Oh, that's very good, very good. And, um, you know, so basically it was fantastic. To His dad was genuinely interested, as Brian was genuinely interested yeah. in what we were doing as well. So it was a fantastic day, and I never forgot it, never will forget it. Just to finish the story off, I, I wrote to Brian um, a little bit later and said, where can I buy one of these treble boosters that we had? Because that's absolutely amazing. It's going to like complete the picture for me. And uh, in the post, one arrives. And uh, my baby, there, there it that's, is. My, that's my piece of kit. And um, there's a little story to that as well, because when I tried it and I had an AC 30 at the time, I had one of the original sixties, um, normal channel only, um, not the bright, uh, type. And, um, it, I plugged it in. I went down to a local, uh, pub, uh, set up in, um, a skittle hall on my own. And I plugged this thing in. Well, it was shaking glasses on the bar. Uh, the guy told me, he came in, he says, you can't do that. He said, it's, he said, the glasses are working the way off the bar. Okay. So I thought, and, and the biggest problem was this massive wall of hiss. It had got the sound and the drive and the sustain. It was fantastic, but it hissed like a snowstorm. It was absolutely terrible. And I thought, well, how am I going to use it? And especially as I wasn't doing much bandwise, I thought, I'm just going to have to use it as a souvenir. So, uh, basically, that then said to me, after all of this, the thing I've got to do now is build a proper red special. <laughs> That's an absolute must. Um, bearing in mind Brian's meeting and me seeing the guitar still didn't answer everything. So, I took another year or two, two or three, something like that, before I actually managed to create the first one, based on the um my drawing and um again the the internal details we've got it all now these fantastic x-rays and the, and the red special book sadly only selling for about a pound or 50p now or something what yes. it is but i paid full price for both of mine anyway so, uh, <laughs> so did i <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah 
it's a shame, but it's a great book. And uh, as you say, we've got it, we've got it all there now. Um, very, uh, very, when, very Yeah, we were. But as I say, I had nothing like that. And all I got is was this sketch that Brian had done for me, which showed basic shapes either side of this block. So I thought, well, okay, that's the way mine's going to be. Um, and in actual fact, my first attempts were pretty close. They weren't the exact perfect shape that they are in the, the x-rays, but they're, they're both there and they're both, you know, so I've got plenty of air inside the guitar. Um, so I built my first one and I was really pleased with it. As soon as I plugged it in, I knew that, you know, it had got all the elements that I wanted. I got the fat neck and all the rest of it. Um, so I was really pleased with that. So about another year or so later, I realized I got a bit bored and I thought, you know what, I've got so many parts from this first prototype proper guitar that I actually ended up making another one <laughs> because I, I got, I got a, a sort of a neck that I'd gone so far with and then thought, oh, I'll try this bit of wood. And so eventually I put it all together. And in fact, I even bought some real DiMarzios and um, I pinched the pickups off my first guitar and they went on the guitar. They've been wired in series. And then the, the DiMarzios, because that, that 84 model, obviously, you know, by the time you, you can tell, um, I was able to buy a set of three of those, but I didn't just leave them as they were. I managed to cross, come across some more cases uh, took the bits and pieces out of them and put the DiMarzio internals inside the um, the Trisonic cases so that it looked good. And to my ears, it didn't sound that different from my set on the other guitars. So I had two very nice, very close guitars. Well, I'm going to skip a bit here because um, with all things being Queen, for me, Queen was Queen from 73 to 77, and then we started to do stuff that I wasn't listening to every album track. I was listening to the ones that I liked the best, but yeah. I started to wander off. And uh, I said, sacrilege or not, but I started to get into people like um, Gary Moore and Michael Schenker. And um, it sort of took me away from the Brian May guitar thing for quite a while. And being, bearing in mind, I thought I'd kind of done it all now and, Let's, let's just sort of park that and, and move on. Well, um, I even got to the point where I got these two guitars and I thought, you know what, I only really need one, so I'll, I'll put the other one up for sale. I advertised it in a guitar magazine and uh, I only had one man who came um, to inquire about it and uh, that one man was uh, a certain Mr. Mark Reynolds. And uh, he turned up at my house and said, oh, I gather you've got a you know, Brian May guitar for sale. Could I have a look at it? Looks it over and plays it. And, and then he says, um, well, actually, I'm trying to build one myself. And he said, uh, I just wondered how you'd done some of your things. He said, you don't mind? I said, no, no. And as I say, I'd, I'd kind of wandered off into another musical realm. I was playing other guitars. And, Brian, and he says to me, uh, we, we, you know, look, I've got this one on the go at the moment. And he said, can you give me a couple of pointers on certain things? So I did. And we, from that, we became firm friends and we're still in regular contact. Every time something new cops, crops up or something crops up on the forum, we have a private chat about it or, you know, and he says, oh, I found a bit of information about so-and-so. Do you want to know this? <laughs> and, um, you know, it's been, it's been brilliant. Uh, Mark has been my sort of uh, Brian May Red Special DKM pedals twin 
uh, ever since that time. And we've sort of worked together on a number of projects. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a great electrician, so he, he knows his way around capacitors and stuff more than I do. But uh, And he only lives 10 miles, or he did. He's moved a little way further away, but he, he only lived 10 miles away. And he told me the story. He says, you know, the, the only reason this, I think he told you on the latest um, blog that you did with him. And he, he said he was the only person because they'd got my address or phone number wrong or something. Yeah. And he managed to track me down because he's local. I think he tracked me down through a music shop or something. And um, uh, nobody else came to half and wondered why, why <laughs> nobody was interested in my fabulous Prime A guitar. It's only because <laughs> nobody, nobody else could actually contact me. So, um, so he was quite a lucky there. But um, I'd sort of given up on the project and he saved me, basically, because I, I was just, I'd just gone away from it all and... I got so intrigued by what he was doing. And then he said, oh, by the way, I've got this and I've got that and I'm going to try and talk to so-and-so. And I was just hooked again. I just completely went straight back in where I'd left off and, uh, and it was fantastic. So with Mark's uh, help, um, uh, I improved both my knowledge and, um, it, you know, it's pretty good with electrics, as I said. And so we looked at some pedals and even an early Deke amp we uh, we worked on uh, similarly um, at the time. Um, takes me back to the treble booster. Now, I said I'd shelved it and put it on one side as though it was just a, a souvenir. And uh, that got me thinking. And I, I drew the circuit up, which unfortunately sort of escaped into the wild and now has become sort of a bit of a minor celebrity in itself. <laughs> but the BC-182L Pete Cornish equipped uh unit um he said well basically there's, there's only good there's only about 11 components on it or whatever so I, I, what i did one day i just literally bought a load of modern components and i laid them out and i said right unsolder component one take it out put a new one in because i'm no, no not great at sticking meters in and trying to figure out so i literally unsoldered each unit put a new one in and i did that and about four or five components later all of a sudden, the thing absolutely just took off. The noise had gone. The, the, the boost was there. Nothing had changed, but the, the noise, this horrible snowstorm had gone. It still hisses like most treble boosters do, but the, the, the massive overload that you yeah. made it unusable had gone. So that sort of, that sorted me out. And as I say, it's still my go-to pedal. I've got various other ones, but I still like to plug that one in because it, you know, it, it just does the job for me. It's the one I got most used to hearing um but uh you know that's uh, that's the story behind that one do you want to ask me anything i'm sorry i keep going on and you've not uh... <laughs> no not at all it's really interesting it's um it's, it's a lot to take in to sort of think about i mean there's so many arguably fortuitous moments yeah in the story throughout the years of timing and you finding various things and being in the right place at the right time it, yeah. At the time, it, I'm guessing it just felt like it was natural. But looking back, do you, do you feel like it could have been completely different if you hadn't followed certain things? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm just working out. It's pretty much 50 years yeah. uh, uh, that I've been doing this. So I can compress time into a few pages of notes. Um, but at the time, as you said, there were other things came along. Um, you know, I had a, I had a rotten job. Or so I thought, anyway, uh, which got in the way of things. Uh, my my 
my band aspirations never really came to anything. I mean, I actually played in Germany for a few months uh, with a band there. And um, so that's another story. It's like escape from Colvix at the end. We had to <laughs> escape rather quickly. But anyway, that's, uh, you know, that, that sort of, that things got in the way. And if I, if I can say anything about what I've done is that uh, I, I pushed the boundaries of, what I could do with the information I had at the time. Um, yeah. And I made every, you know, effort to try and get the best out of what I had. And it, it sort of basically led to one guitar after the other. Now, um, I'm never quite happy with the, there was always something in me whenever I built a guitar that I said, there's got to be possibly something else I don't know about. So that's why I always stuck with it. I always wanted to know what, whether whether it was Mark when he had the guitar uh, in his sort of possession sort of thing when he was working with um, Greg Fryer. Uh, we, you know, he sort of gave me a couple of heads up on some of the things that they'd done together. And, you know, just gradually built and built and built until we, we got the, the sort of the guitar we see today. And um, I was never happy with it. I, I was happy at the time. But then I played it for a bit and thought, well, I, I, perhaps there's something else I could do or something else I'm missing. But in actual fact, my first guitars, I think they played and sounded just as good as my ones I made a, a year or so ago because yeah. essentially we can we can put all the hank nuts and bits of arrow diet in holes and uh, we can put different machine heads on. But at the end of the day, if you get the neck right, the body right, and you've got the trisonic pickups and then they're, they're in the right ballpark, you've got a pretty good idea you're going to get with a Brian yeah. May guitar what you lack is Brian's brain and his fingers and, definitely. Uh, that's that's uh, that we, we have to give that to him don't we you know definitely. um yeah I mean what, that's for the collection sorry I should say what's interesting there Julian is that you know you you grew up at a time and you decided you wanted to make guitars yourself was was that because you similarly to Brian weren't in a position financially to buy what was available or you just didn't like what was available and didn't want to well, buy it? I think, put it this way, when I bought the um, the Les Paul copy, the bolt-on neck thing, uh, it was what I could afford. Um, the, the possibility of having a real Gibson was absolute zero. Um, yeah. You know, I'd got a young family uh, and my job wasn't particularly thrilling or paying well so it was always it was always a kind of a mentality and i've got that today if something breaks in the house or on the car i'm more than likely going to go and have a try and fix it myself than i would get a man in yeah. uh, and that's just my basic <laughs> my, uh, that's my basic meccano boy upbringing uh, yeah. from the 50s um because that's what i think is lacking in a lot of uh people today i'm not going to decry them too much but i think that a lot of people have forgotten that things are made and people use their hands and tools to make them and uh yeah. i've always i've always been of that kind i've always liked to you know uh, uh, use my hands and my brain uh, i i get far more out of building a guitar from scratch than i do from buying one i'm not saying i've I bought a few guitars over the years my latest one being the burns 12 string there's a little bit of a nod to um long away and stuff and i've always fancied one they came up very cheaply uh just before christmas 
And uh, so I, I bought myself one of those. I wouldn't want to try and make one because uh, there's a lot of work for the amount of songs I'm likely to play on it. But, uh, so, so that was that's fine. I'll, I'll uh, allow myself the odd pleasure of buying one. But it soon passes. And, uh, yeah. you know, as you say, and then on to something, some, something different. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, more, it's more the case that I enjoy the building. And as soon as I finished a guitar, I'm thinking, I'm looking around, okay, what else can I do now? Because yeah. once, once that build is done, I don't spend hours and hours playing it. I play it until I'm completely happy that there's no choking on the frets, the pickups are set exactly where I want them to be. And once I've done all that, I go, right, okay, that's that one done. Let's move on. Next one. Yeah, I mean, you, the, really the, the progression of guitars ever since those late 80s models that I built, which I introduced Mark to, and then he nearly bought one, but he didn't. Um, was the uh, yeah, well, I don't blame him, he was making his own, so but um, they've just improved. And at the moment, I've got my original 82 with the oversized body, I've got something from 85 that's now got Eclipse pickups in, which is a, a nod to his first guitar. Uh, my 87. Uh, it was refurbished, completely struck down, and um, it was sort of like lots of modifications to make it more like modern spec. I built the John Birch. Uh, I built a Guild 84 replica. Um, I built the green F-hole, uh, which yeah. was the, the guitar that never was. That was the one I mentioned in the plans, which yeah. I had all the time. Um, it doesn't get much use because... Um, it's uh, it doesn't have a lot of Brian May sounds in it, unfortunately, because yeah. I put we assumed it had two pickups on because he only showed two on-off switches. So I, I, I can even though I think he only shows one or none on the actual plan, uh, I had to assume it was two. But I, I quite I quite often think, shall I put a third pickup in it? And I thought, no, that's just a piece of history. I'll leave that as it as it is. Um, I've got uh, a modern full spec model with the uh, locking tuners etc etc i've got my 75 spec model which is the uh the one just i think it's the first one you can see straight in front yeah. of you that red one there dot. including red dot much, pretty much like your uh your latest guyton i believe yeah. in many parts um and i've sold Oh, I've got a Burns BM, believe it or not. I bought that in 18... Uh, sorry, in 2001. It was a number 200 and something. It was one of the quite early ones. And that's got the usual white switches, pearl uh, tuners, uh, a tremolo tip, etc., etc., to make it... But it, again, it stays in its case. Again, it's a bit yeah. of history. It, it, it plays okay, but uh, I still prefer my own for most of them. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty much where I am. And it's, it's literally only because year on year, something else will come out and somebody will say, oh, did you know that this is all, that is all? <laughs> somebody says, uh, you know, are there are there three penny washes there rather than two? And, oh, God, have I missed something else? Uh, one of my guitars, I missed out the two screws that go through the little oak plate in the centre, the top yeah. one. I forgot to put the two screws in, the wood yeah. screws in. Oh, Never forgive myself, you know. But it's, uh, I've got to build a whole new guitar now because I've missed two screws, you know. <laughs> but, uh, do you, do you, do you yeah. think you've got a problem? <laughs> yeah. It's a bit, it's oh, a bit like... yeah. You mean an obsession? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know. I mean, 
I think uh, I've got to I got to give a nod to Matt Netherwood here, our favourite Yorkshireman, um, because uh, he, he's done some absolutely amazing detailed work. He goes to the nth 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 degree, um, which uh, c- c- brings me on to a sort of a final point, really, and that is that it's great to see so many young guys who probably never saw Queen live are buying and building guitars and playing the music, and it's fantastic to see. Um, I haven't got a problem with CNC manufacturing, but I, I, I could never do it because to me it's, it's hand tools, uh, no templates. Um, I freehand route everything and um, no, two, no two of my guitars are ever identical. The, you can't take parts off one and put them on another because there's going to be fractions of uh, each guitar is built up from the ground and, yeah, uh, it's you know what I mean. It's not something I can I can duplicate or want to. I've never made a guitar for anybody else, and I've uh, never made one on a commission. So if I have sold them, they've just been you know because they're sort of surplus requirements or they're not different enough from what I've already got. So I end up with a couple of duplicates. And uh, by all accounts, the people who've had the couple of guitars that I've sold, they've they've been very pleased with them. Um, so I'm not sure whether uh, I um, I will ever build another Brian May guitar. Uh, I've, I'm, at the moment, I'm actually working on a. I've just finished a Burns uh, replica, not a replica, a real thing that I've had to do an awful lot of work on, uh, which I've uh, which I'm pleased because it was the uh, it was the guitar that um, was in the Rice Krispies advert in 1964. Yeah. And that, that is my, uh, it is actually a 1962 model. Uh, but it's, if you saw what it looked like before I did this to it, uh, you would laugh because it was a complete and utter wreck. But so it's really any guitar gives me a lot of pleasure if it has some meaning to me. Um, I'm literally starting at the moment making a, a John Lennon Rickenbacker 325 replica. Uh, not so much that I was a massive Beatles fan, but I, I always think that, the picture of him standing there with this black guitar with a gold scratch plate, point right up here, playing away. Uh, that's my childhood memory, my, my very earliest memories of, of music. So I'm sort of going to do one of those. But, um, yeah, as far as the uh, Brian May stuff concerned, I don't know whether I'll make another one. Having said that, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> you know, like I, I mean, I've got, go I've got no idea what I'm going to do with this. It's, it's just laying around doing nothing so um do i beat myself around the head with it and make a replica of uh you know like a matt netherwood every scratch on it or is it, does it get used for some other purpose i don't know that, that's for the future <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, sh- I'm sure it needs some blockboard and oak around it with some mahogany veneer an element yeah. of like hank rivet nuts and araldite and you, uh, yeah 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 it's it's uh it's, it's got a few in here and there, as you can see already. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But, uh, yes, it's uh, it's a spare, but um, it's not going anywhere. It, 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 might end up, it might end up being attached to a, a guitar at some point. And so the only one I haven't made is actually a sort of a distressed replica. Yeah. And, I, and it, it, it breaks my heart to do all that work and then <laughs> knock it about, but that's just me again, so... No, it's, it's very interesting, Julian. So if one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, obviously, mm. you started this journey back 
a long time ago in the 70s when Queen started to come, mm. or when Queen came out. At mm. some point, the internet happens, and then you oh, yeah. obviously meet, you meet Mark around, um, I forget when you said. It's it? around about, it's probably, I should imagine, around about the, it was sometime in the 90s, I think, before I met Mark, yeah. And, yeah. and then, then the internet Early 90s. Mm. In, internet starts to take off a few years later do, mm. do you then join up on the forums with mark or do you um i no i didn't actually um i think mark seemed to be more savvy with the uh with the internet than i was and i i i, I had dialogue for a start i didn't you know i wasn't too worried about it but uh, I, I was into computers i actually sort of built computers in the mid to late 90s i was always going around car boot sales and buying a board here and a hard drive there and bits of memory and stuff and i quite enjoyed doing all that but the the internet just evolved really as something i didn't quite get what the internet was for for a start and then uh, you realize that you can't do without it nowadays but um i i didn't personally um sign into any of the forums at all uh it was only really i don't know when how long i've been on this uh, the red special forum but um even that's quite relatively recent in actual fact and you say there was nothing uh, it wasn't it suddenly opened up everything you can you can put in brian may red special guitar and you've got acres of pictures and yeah. you know all sorts of stuff on it now but it was uh Forum wise, no, I, I think Mark had actually got into forums when they were off off Facebook. I think they, I forgot which yeah. ones they were, but, but I, I, I always found it difficult for some reason. I never managed to sign into them properly. I'd either <laughs> the password wouldn't work or something, and I, I, I or I'd, I'd try to get back in again, and then they say, "Oh no, your password doesn't work." And so I, I didn't pursue them. But uh, I, so really, no, I've, I've not spent a lot of time on forums at all. So, uh, I quite. I always look at the forum every day. Uh, I, yeah. I tend to look in, and then I'll, I'll keep quiet sometimes because I probably don't possibly agree, or I don't have anything to say. More than likely, on a certain subject, when I see a subject that I do think I know something about, then I will. I'll put my full penneth in, and hopefully, it's of use to somebody. Definitely, I think from memory I, I joined the forum the old brian may world forum in the early 2000s and mm-hmm. mark could often reference yourself and oh, right okay i i can't i think the first time i ever met you because you i knew you weren't on the forum was that matt wickham's red special meetup in yeah um, yeah i can't remember well, it was it opposite was mark's house it was literally it was a church hall so mark yeah. has a a church more or less opposite his house and it's like a the next kind of bit of road down and uh, that was really ideal for me because it was just literally a walk across the road meet up with mark or whatever and, and just park up and go straight yeah. across so yeah so they were the first ones i went to yeah yeah were you, were you amazed that i mean back then there was maybe three or four hundred well no not probably even that two or three hundred people on the forum the meetups weren't as well attended were you a surprised how many other people there were on a similar journey to you at that point um i was surprised there weren't more i i I think i asked myself the question once a few years back just how many people have have actually built the guitar a lot of people are interested and a lot of people like have bought guilds along the way and things but i still wondered how how many people were actually building um certainly one-offs i mean you know if you're if you're a private builder and you're 
you know, you're producing them even in low quantities. That's a different story altogether. Um, again, you know, each to their own. But as far as I was concerned, my, my guitar journey, if you like, has always been um, to improve on the last one. Um, yeah. or, or I've missed something completely and, and I, I feel more comfortable if I had uh, those particular elements on it, even though I know that 90% of the stuff is, is not going to make a huge difference to the sound. It's just that you feel better about it, don't you? Yeah. As you know, it's got all the bits on it. Um, obviously, that, those who've bought the latest, uh, like yourself, the latest guy, and obviously appreciate that sentiment as well. Because you need to know that everything's on there. Definitely, um, and it, but it makes no difference whatsoever to how it plays compared mm. to how it feels. But I think when you pick it up, knowing that all of the choices and decisions, and maybe happy mm. accidents, and yeah, mis even mistakes that if you look mm. hard enough, you'll see Brian and Harold made some mistakes yeah. and changes. Yeah. Um, when you know they're all in there, it's that final piece of the puzzle. Isn't you know, it's taken. I can't blame the guitar for not sounding like Brian May anymore. It's, it's yeah, yeah, me. no, you know, you know, there's everything. Even though it may not be making a difference, you know, the fact that it's there, it's an extra bit of metal, it's an extra bit of wood, it's an extra bit of hole in the guitar. You don't know whether that is making a difference or not. Um, but as you say, it, it makes you feel better that you, the only bit missing is Brian's brain and his fingers, as you said. Yeah, so, you know. Well, I said to myself years and years ago when I, when i when i first made the the first couple of proper ones back in the uh, mid late 80s my goal and i said this to myself was that i'm going to have to make a guitar that brian could pick up and feel totally comfortable with and not just be polite uh, yeah. and that was my goal that was my aim at the time so and it's always been that i suppose I mean, I've, I've, I've been in contact with him since. I've, I have had little. I don't. I don't wear out my welcome. I uh, I pick and choose, but I I have a way of contacting him. And when I've had a bit of a query, I've been able to get through. And he's he's still a great bloke. Still very very helpful. Um, but I really don't push it. You know what I mean? I I, I, yeah. I know he's a busy man, and um, I'm I'm who I am, and uh, you know I, I accept that. You know so. No, it's it's a really interesting story. Of, I mean, I, I hadn't realised you'd met Harold as well. I mean, what? And oh yeah, to, yeah. to have met the other half of the creator of the Red Special. Yeah, yeah. Must have been. I mean, I think special. I was aware. I was aware of Harold's part in it. You know, obviously, but uh, you know, to to not only meet him, but also to find that you see, because sometimes maybe people might think that uh, that Brian tells the story quite well about. Uh, you know they didn't get on for a start uh, when he joined the queen and, and he should have been doing studying and uh, they didn't get it and all that sort of thing but when i met him it was so it was like father and son absolutely totally committed totally interested the, the, you know there was nothing they were completely genuine about it and and that's what i liked uh, brian is the most genuine person i think i've ever met uh, yeah. and he's and his and his dad was you know, he wasn't just doing it for show at all. He was genuinely interested. So it was a great, uh, great time to meet him. Well, definitely. Glad he did, you know. Yeah, very fortunate, especially, I guess, at that point as well. I'd imagine that they hadn't come across anyone else or many people that had gone to the, the effort you had. So mm. to find someone that had 
tried to do what you had done would have been really fascinating for them yeah. as a concept. I, I didn't. I never thought to ask. Actually, I, I I don't know. I think there's a there's a German guy on the forum. I think he might have he might have got to see Brian with a guitar around about the same time. I can't remember, but I know, I know there are very few. Like going back to what what you said earlier um, about the uh, the number of people. Uh, I think it's nice to see now, even though there's a lot of uh, CNC creations out there and as you say each their own if, if you find it easier to build a guitar uh with with cnc equipment at the end of the day the result's going to be the same uh it just means there's less mistakes because <laughs> if you saw some of the mistakes i make you know as i say that i'm the filler king you know but um as you say most of the time they're for me so uh, i don't mind i'll get around well, i'll get around things i i my own build that I, I have as well, I built with Doug Short, which we covered mm. up in Doug's episode. And um, there's some filler in that too, Julian. Don't you worry. Yeah. Well, you, 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 you try your best. And at the end of the day, as you say, if you're not completely in charge of the uh, tools like I am usually, you know, as I say, I, I still only own a, and it's even recently bought, is a, a pillar drill to get holes a bit squarer than I used to yeah. do by hand. Yeah. Literally never used, never used a power drill, always used a hand drill. Um, I've got a, uh, a band saw, which is not really big enough, man enough for the job, but it just about manages. Uh, I've got a little sanding disc, uh, but everything else is hand tools, chisels, uh, fret saws, hack saws, you know, and uh, it's just, just it, it takes a long time. Uh, but I suppose taking a long time means that you don't take too much off in one go. <laughs> so yeah. you always, you'd always set it up, oh, you know, one more slit and that'll be gone, you know. But uh, as I say, it's, if you feel that when you're making the whole guitar right through to the end, you, you feel that any minute now you can make a horrendous mistake, drill a hole in the wrong place or something won't line up. Um, yeah. No, but it's, uh, you know, that's half the fun. Half the fun. Definitely is. And... <laughs> um, You've obviously, or not obviously, but you came to my meetup last year and you came to one previously when we had all the DC tests. Uh, yes. Thank you for coming because it's, um, it's great to put faces to names. And I think for some of the youngsters and some of us on the forum that knew of you or knew of you since you joined the Facebook forum and mm. what you have done and tried where you've built your own air coils for ProSonic pickups, oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. You've made yeah. the Eclipse pickups, you, mm. you really are a lot of the information that we had before the book came out stemmed from things you tried and done and worked mm. on with Mark Reynolds. So thank you very much for, um, yeah. for doing all of that. Cause I think you originally set the, um, like the building blocks and foundations for this whole thing. And when those of us looked to see if there were other people interested in it and happened across it, it's, uh, a bit of comfort to know that there were some other fools that had already tried it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, been successful, so you're in a in a, in good company. I mean, I did actually. Uh, well, when I say I drew it, my young lad uh, drew a complete plan uh, and filled a lot of the details in. He didn't design it, but I, I designed it. But I said, "Would you fancy drawing um, a plan?" Uh, and I told him what to do, and I gave him the basic shapes and everything. And I remember he, he helped me a lot. And, and that plan actually became something that I ended up sending out to several people. And I, I think going back to the late 80s, 90s, again, it was uh, 
word got around that I had these plans and and some I think somebody mentioned not too long ago they said that they'd, they'd come across this plan and if you look at that plan even though it was drawn during the 80s it's still workable there's one or two yeah. little errors and one or two changes like the tremolo system and things like that where I've shown how I did it but uh, yeah I mean as you say I was I've, I've always been quite happy to to share the information out because it's like once once I've got it and I've worked really hard to get it, I don't just sit there and say, I'm having it, nobody else is going to have it. I actually think, right, well, let's let everybody else have a go at it now and see what yeah. they make of it, you know. Well, and if you, you look at the forum now and compared to where, where we were even 20 years ago when I joined, I mean, you're going back a few years before then, but mm. the amount of information that we've got now and people building parts and people replicating... Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Matt, in other words, now replicating the TCC metal mic capacitors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've done the same. I've done the same. I've got a box of dead ones, and yeah. I've put I've put modern capacitors inside them and put the yeah. little caps back on. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been there, seen it, done it. You know, but, uh, it's, it's, um, as you say, it's fantastic that the, the, the internet has given people such a, a, a choice of uh, information and, and, and a wealth of information that I never had. And, um, you know, I, I, I suppose I sort of pride myself on the fact that I did what I did without um, all of that. But on the other hand, I wouldn't have known, if I hadn't seen the x-ray plans, I wouldn't have yeah. known the exact details of the internals and where all the screws were exactly and all that sort of thing. So it's, um, you know, I've had to take from other people as well because I, in my quest to build the the ultimate guitar, which I think, that one is. I don't think I'm yeah. going to improve on that one. But, uh, you know, I've only got there because of what's come out after I sort of moved on as well, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's great that it's all out there now. And the book, obviously, and, you know, Simon Bradley's, uh, you know, efforts there have, have opened it up to an awful lot of people to, you know, to be able to do the same thing now. Long may we continue, I think. Definitely. And I, I think... What's great is we've also got this wonderful community of people with a lot of mutual mm. respect for those people that have put themselves out and done things and built things and mm. are now sharing their stories where they met Brian, played the Red Special, had mm. Brian play their guitar. It's, it's a fantastic, mm. it's like the, go the golden age of the Red Special community, I would say, mm. we seem to be in at the moment. Yeah. It's a, it's a shame that, uh, on, on the other hand, I'm saying it's a shame, but I think if Brian turned up to a meet, I would I would wonder quite what he'd make of us. <laughs> well, he's aware of what we do, Julian, yeah. and he's yeah. very grateful to us for. Mm. Um, I think Luke Luke Holwerder posted up after the US meetup that mm. he'd shared some contact with Brian because they raised some money to save me, which we mm. did in our meetup, but I didn't mm. do the the press side of it, so I should do that this year. But. Mm. Um, Brian sent Luke a lovely message to say thank you for for the efforts that we're going to in in keeping the um, I guess the story of the Red Special and Brian and Harold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure Brian, uh, as you say, I think uh, he'd be very grateful for uh, things like the charity aspect of it. But uh, and I know I know that through a certain chappy who has been to one of the meets, so we, we also know he can be a little bit. Um, you know, iffy about the way some people have produced some guitars, um, but uh, I think in the main, if we, if you can prove to Brian that 
you're an absolute fan and you really appreciate what he was able to create from scratch. You know, it, it's a fantastic thing. Him and his dad built this guitar that's now become an icon and there's nothing else like it, nothing else sounds like it. And I think that's where people like me and other people who've done the similar thing will score quite highly because you are, you are, it's a nod to him. You're not yeah. going out there to say, right, well, how many of these can I sell if I get them right? And that sort of thing. Yeah. That's, that's a different ball game altogether. Uh, but I think anybody who's built the guitar or several, and, but it's all aimed at one thing and absolutely trying to get the ultimate, it's the ultimate um, compliment to Brian. I think really, that's yeah. the, hope he takes it that way anyway so yeah i think he i think he definitely does and i think it would be really it's a shame that harold's no longer with us because i think now would be a fantastic time for for them both to attend and see Mm, how much love how much love and attention and Mm. goodwill and effort goes into some people's builds to replicate everything it's it's definitely a a good time to be alive in absolutely red special world and as you said, the, the forum itself, you very rarely get a crossword. You know, it's, it's a very good humoured, um, you know, we all, we're all there for the same reason. Um, yeah. You know, so you might not agree with everybody's uh, statements, but, you know, as you said, it's, it's a free country. We can all, we can all make our opinions known. Definitely. We well, we're not, not rude. We don't, we not get rude to anybody. So. Yeah. No, def- it's, and it, I don't know of any other place that is like the forum for any mm. other guitar player or guitar builder or any other fans of of a thing or of a, a theme of things where everyone gets on pretty much 90% of the time, but we all disagree every now and again. It's, it's such a wonderful testament to Brian and the guitar as well, I think. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think I might have run out of steam about now. <laughs> I think I've actually my, my my dinner's not too far away, it's, but then it's that's l- lunchtime. Yeah, well, yeah. Ju- Julian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Look at that, it's galore. Yeah, and th- thank you for sh- sh- what what's been amazing is to hear your story from from you and capture that, but also to see some of those clippings and books of. That oh well, that's so you did. Really, that's how it started. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, very meager beginnings, but uh, it all built from there. Yeah, and it's yeah. been great talking to you about it. It's nice to offload, you know, and <laughs> tell my story. You know, yeah. But yeah. well, th- thank you so much for um, spending time with me this morning. It's been great chatting to you, and uh, I hope to see you at the next Red Special Meetup this year in October. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. It'd be great. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Julian. And what a fantastic episode that was, Julian. I wonder what you're going to be doing with that spare neck you've got there. Um, if you've not got anything to do with it, you can always send it my way, and I'm sure I could find a use for it. But thank you once again for agreeing to be the, the guest after Brian May, for having so much information and prepared so many bits and pieces to show us in the episode. It was truly wonderful talking to you, and it's been great to get to know you over the years at the Rose Special Guitar Meetup, and literally without you, maybe none of this would have happened if you hadn't built that first guitar and tried to sell it and Mark Reynolds figure out how to get hold of you and then come around and start talking to you, maybe this wouldn't have grown and gone on, but I'm so pleased it has because you're an absolutely wonderful asset to the community and you do some fantastic work and you're just a genuinely nice bloke, so thank you so much for your time.
And if you've enjoyed this episode of today's Red Special Guitar Podcast, episode number 21, then please make sure that you hit the thumbs up button, like, subscribe. It all helps us get more noticed in the big wide world of algorithms and YouTube and helps people find the channel who may have an interest in these things. And that is fantastic because I really feel like the story of the Red Special and what it's led us on to do, not just Brian with Queen and all of the wonderful things that he's gone on to do, with Queen music and then all of the other wonderful things that he's done, but also how it's brought all of us together as a community and a pretty awesome community. We kind of defy most odds. We encourage young people to join. We don't look down at people if they have a different guitar or whatnot. And what a community it is that we have. It's a fantastic place to be. The Facebook forum is so welcoming and we have these wonderful meetups where you get to meet face to face with people. It's well worth checking those out. You can check out news by following this channel and also by checking us out on Instagram and Facebook. But people come together as humans in the digital age where people are told that communities are slowly dying, ours is slowly growing and we are very inclusive of all people in the Red Special community. And so please, if you're interested, then join up and make sure you check out when we're all coming together because it truly is a, a most wonderful weekend. And that's whether that's in one of the two US meetups the Japanese meetup, the UK meetup, or the Italian meetup. That's just some fantastic places to go and meet like-minded individuals and feel instantly a part of something. It really is a testament to Brian and his whole way about doing things has rubbed off on all of us. But anyway, that's enough rambling from me. Keep your eyes peeled on the channel and on all of our social media for some news coming out soon. Um, thank you all so much for emailing. I don't yet have any updates for you on the UK meetup in 2023. When I do, you'll all be the first to know. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled. And we've got some special things coming up in the coming months and some wonderful plans for 2023. So I hope to see you all there. And thanks ever so much for staying in touch. You keep safe and I'll catch you later.